Hey everyone, it's Audio Nerd 64. And I'm Big Nakuma. And we It's your wow. Game of Friends, Game of Friends. Didn't even not the illusion. No. I I I I, I want to start out the year by being straight up. Obnoxious. You know? Wow. Being honest, mm-hmm. being earnest, being true. All right, well, apparently we're a Live, Love, Laugh podcast. Anyway, <laughs> logging on, <laughs> we've got news about Activision Blizzard. A lot of it. Ugh, so much. So the, much the things The biggest happen. news. Oh God. <sighs> New releases, The Anacrusis, Nobody Saves the World, Democracy 4, City Skylines, Airports, and Rainbow Six Extraction. NFTs are, they're here. Mm-hmm. So is PSVR too. NVIDIA and E3 2022. These past two weeks in nerddom, Image Comics, Naomi and Michael Keaton, Peacemaker, The Witcher, Book of Boba Fett, and a little bit of The Matrix. Oh, a little bit? Well, a lot of a bit, because then we're going to do party chat with Jen, and it's going to be wonderful, and we're talking all about The Matrix. It's a lot of Matrix. No if you're Spider-Man. not a Matrix fan... You should listen anyway because you'll change your mind. You'll be one by the end of this. You know that might have been what happened to me. It it kind of did. To a little spoil. bit. Just to, I mean, to so spoil. stick around. It's for sure. Technically, there are Matrix games, so I, I'm allowing it <laughs> this time. But don't stretch the the definition here ever again. All right, seventy billion dollars. That is a lot of fucking money. It is a lot of fucking money, and... It's ten times as much fucking money <laughs> as when Bethesda got slurped Ew, up. Ew, I hated that. Hmm. I hated that. Hmm. Bethesda Slur- loved it. <sighs> By Microsoft. We have to finish the sentences here. Well, everyone knows. And the yeah, I know. And the latest well, you never know. You never know. There could be someone who doesn't. We're, we're not breaking this news for anyone. Absolutely not. No, it's very old. <laughs> this was like CNBC news. Ugh. It was. Anyway, the latest slurpage by Microsoft has been done too. This is I hate this. Especially in relationship to the company itself. <laughs> that we should be talking about slurpage. Uh Activision Blizzard. Worth seventy billion dollars, a little less than seventy like billion. 16. But you might as well nine, but it round might as up. Well. When you get when you get that high, also they overpaid <laughs> per share. Mm. For those of you who don't understand how capitalism works, when you go public, the shares of your company can determine who owns it. So a rich person could just buy up a majority of the shares, and then they own the company. That tends to not happen, and usually companies fight back. That's called a hostile takeover. This happened to Ubisoft several times. However, in this situation, it was a deal. Microsoft and the Activision board and that piece of shit, Bobby Kotick, were working together (laughs) to sell Activision Blizzard, and I have a conspiracy theory. You have a conspiracy theory? The conspiracy theory is that The California lawsuit, the ensuing drama, all of the dumb, bullshit, awful, horrific stuff that they have done coming to light is why they were really forced. Like, they lost 30% of their market cap. And again, for those of you not 
intimately familiar with capitalism, if you don't make a profit for the people that own part of your company every year, you can be in breach of the law. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the greatest system, but... It's a terrible system. We have to burn it down. We have to burn it down. Uh, there was a Bloomberg article, actually, that asserted the same uh, something similar, basically, that... Activision Blizzard was looking for an exit because they were like, look at this piece of shit and all the things that he did. Yes. Um, and I think I saw another piece somewhere that apparently they were trying to also get bought out by either, it was like Meta or Google or something. They went shopping around. They were like, look, we have a lot of great games. Unfortunately, it is run by a piece of shit. And we are trying to make our money. We're trying to make our profits this year. <laughs> and it's getting... More and more closer to the reality that if we want to uh, continue making money, we're going to have to yeah. sell this bad boy. So this was my initial theory. Allegedly! And then there was some reporting that came out and said, no, they were shopping themselves around before. They've been trying to get sold for a while. I don't believe any of that. I think that's all spin. Because, I mean, if I own something that was worth $70 billion, I'd be like, I'm worth $70 billion. Exactly. Fuck. With me. Exactly. Like, you know, I got it. Like, what? <laughs> what is there? What else is there to do? It seems obvious that they realized that without a sale, the the brand was tarnished. And they were not going to make any more money in the future. So it's time to cash out. Uh, I yeah. don't love that those are the circumstances. Because ultimately, it means that instead of just doing the right thing... And wow. firing <laughs> firing the people responsible, fixing the work culture, and proving to the gaming community that you're going to take this seriously and treat people correctly. Instead, it's like, oh, we got to get out of here. <laughs> we got we to gotta cash yeah. in. I mean, you know, it reminds me, a lot of the, like, union stuff and the crunch stuff does remind me of a lot of the stuff that happens in media. And I am reminded when... I guess you could say podcasting had its reckoning with the Gimlet, Bon Appetit, blah, 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 shit. Mm -hmm. And then I saw some people were like, how do we make working in these in this industry equitable? And you don't. No, you don't. It's you dismantle <laughs> capitalism. That's your answer. I'm sorry. There's you you can do harm reduction within <laughs> yeah. capitalism. Absolutely. I love unions. But I love all that. And I don't think it's like a worthless pursuit and all that, but at the end of the day. We got to burn some shit down. So. Not, not physically not FBI, <laughs> although. <laughs> a metaphoric. I, our winks are not audible, as far as I know. You can't, it's too quiet. The decibels mm -hmm. of a wink mm -hmm. too. So definitely not <laughs> physically burning anything down. Yeah. There was no situation of this playing out where Bobby Kotick doesn't win, unfortunately. It's literally built into his contract that. He's making out. No matter what happens, he could run the company into the ground, which essentially he's done, and he's making out like a bandit. I think short of criminal charges and a conviction, there's no way that he doesn't walk away with several hundred million dollars minimum. And unfortunately, there's really nothing that Microsoft can do about that because it's a contract that they didn't negotiate. Yeah. I'm sure that there's some amount of leverage that they have, but it's probably all gone into, you need to get the fuck out of here when the deal's done, which at first was misreported. People were talking about, oh, 
he's still going to stay on and he might stay on afterward. No, 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 no. Like that IGN clickbait got <laughs> got taken out real quick. It's very clear. It's abundantly clear that the the ink being dry is the day that Bobby Kotick is out the door. But he's going right to the bank. So <laughs> he's driving his fancy car straight from the Activision Blizzard office and right to whoever runs his funds. Like it's capitalism you know. wins again, unfortunately. I, I do hope that he gets criminally charged, not because I don't believe in abolition, because I do, but because that's the only way that we're gonna see any kind of justice. And frankly, I know that capitalism is still gonna be around by the time <laughs> that he <laughs> gets done as the the CEO, which means that prisons are still gonna be around, which means <laughs> <laughs> That's where he should be. He should be under it. Oh, Jesus. Free all my niggas, though. And- <laughs> Literally. Oh. Oh, that's one, that's one way to start an episode. Um, amidst all of this uh, drama, uh, folks are now also like, hey, this is a really big acquisition. Wow, Microsoft has purchased a lot of shit this past year was good. Are they a monopoly? Yes. Uh, <laughs> but hey, I you know think the answer is no. I, okay, fine. I, I am being a little facetious. I I don't think it's a monopoly. And I also don't think anything really is going to come out of, I'm sure, the slew of investigations that people are going to do because the acquisition is so large. Um, so I think this sails through... Yeah. The Justice Department. So deals this big again because of capitalism are under scrutiny. They have to be they have to be approved by the pro-capitalist government. <laughs> so when a deal doesn't go through, that's really when it's big news. Yeah. And I guess that someone that's in charge of the Fed right now has been known to thumbs down deals that a lot of people thought were surefire things. The thing is, as much as I agree that it is not a good thing for small numbers of companies to own mega multi-million dollar franchise, like all of them. Yeah. Totally bad. Like, we don't want to create another Disney. As much as I love the MCU, like, the Disney shit is problematic. I totally understand that. However, Microsoft, if it acquires Activision Blizzard, then becomes the third largest publisher in the world, which means that there's two other companies that have (laughs) more IP and more net worth than Microsoft will in a year. And remember, they also have to spend the money on buying the company. So it's not like all of that gets replenished right away. Not to say that the only measure of a monopoly is how much money you have, but like, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not worried to the degree that some people are, I would be worried if by the end of the year, Microsoft also buys Square Enix or Ubisoft or one of those other Bethesda-sized companies. Like, at that point, that is some major AAA consolidation, and that would be pretty worrisome, I think. On the other hand, Game Pass is going to be on and popping. You just, you had to get it. It's going to be on and popping. You had to say it. As soon as Bobby Kotick is out the door, those folks get unionized. Diablo 2 is getting booted up. And maybe they'll have fixed all the fucking problems by then. Mm. 
Which we're not going to talk about. We're still not talking about those games. We're still not talking about them. No. I mean, if history is any indication, I'm hopeful for the unions that are popping up at these big game studios. I hope they fight tooth and nail. I And I hope they get the contracts that they deserve. I don't know if we've historically ever seen that. Well, literally, we haven't because there's only been one North American video game. Oh, I mean, like, outside of video games. (laughs) Just say, you know, I just... Taft Harley is a son of a bitch, let me tell you that. Um, I am optimistic. Raven QA, post-merger announcement, or acquisition announcement, came out that they are asking for union certification... That's usually the first move. You collect enough cards that you believe you will win a vote. So you ask for voluntary recognition of your union from your employer. And the employer says, fuck you, no. In a lot of cases. (laughs) In some places. In some places, they do recognize it. They do recognize. (laughs) That is is, uh, not the rule. Usually it's the exception. (laughs) They say, that's so interesting. Hold on. Let me call Wilmer Hale. Real quick, we're just going to get a several multi-million dollar consulting deal with them so that we can figure out exactly what's going on here. And then they bring in the union busters. Yeah. Or if the company's small enough, the employees will just squabble it out for you. That's right. But usually after, you know, forced meetings, like you have to sit in these compulsory staff meetings where they basically just give you anti-union propaganda for hours We saw this with the Starbucks campaign recently. We've seen this in unionization campaigns across the country with media organizations. Like, it's just standard fare at this point. And I think people are so upset over there that this is going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So I'm really pulling for them. There was a setback Uh, earlier this week. There was notice that... They are dispersing the QA team. So I guess the QA team for Warzone was like its own unit. Mm -hmm. And now they're being embedded into various parts of the Warzone development team. So like a few QA people are going to go to audio and a few people are going to go to graphic designer, you know, whatever the fucking categories are. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Whoever the people are that make video games. Exactly. We talk about this in the podcast. Listen, I support their rights. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck they do. (laughs) No matter what they're doing behind those computers. (laughs) They're they're just copying and pasting code. As far as I know. (laughs) Anyway. They're going to be dispersed. The company is saying that this has been in the works for a long time. Not everything is a conspiracy. Like, other companies do do that. It clearly is the best practice across the industry. So, like, it doesn't surprise me. But also, it wouldn't surprise me if it was planned for, like, next year, and now they're doing it to to try to dilute the unionization effort. I mean, I feel like it's too late. They should have did it before everyone was thinking about a union. Because now you have a whole bunch of people thinking about a union spread out throughout your company. Great. That's right. I love that. I'm here for it. In a lot of campaigns, you'll find that people with a little bit more seniority are more resistant because they're already making more money. And so they don't really see the need as much. I know that you've seen this personally. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
I do worry a little bit that maybe they're going to get put in with a bunch of engineers that like make three times as much as they do, don't have much of the gripes because they're mostly male and like all those other things. However, <laughs> I remain optimistic. Just because they're split up doesn't mean that they still can't unionize. That's true. I, I, it's, it's a cautious optimism. Yeah. So I, I talked a lot about this on Twitter on the day of. I put my former union rep hat on and I talked quite a bit about how these things actually work. There was some grumbling that like, oh, the union effort is over. Like it's going to be immediately union busted. Microsoft's never going to allow this to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's not fucking up to them. It's up to the workers at Blizzard Activision. If they decide that they want to unionize, they put an election together, they get recognized by the NLRB, and they win the election vote, it doesn't fucking matter what Bobby Kotick wants or what Phil Spencer wants. It matters what they fucking want. And that goes for everyone, by the way. Like, you can form a fucking union at your workplace, and you should do it. Absolutely. But anyway, I would love to do an episode entirely about unionizing in general so that people really understand what the fuck is going on. I have some feelers out to talk to some people, especially like video game people. So we'll keep you updated on this, but it's a, it's now become a side passion project of mine. We haven't done something like that in a while. So let's, uh, let's, let's see where this goes, but I, I want people to learn more about how this process works. It's both confusing and also very simple. It's very confusing. But oh, you're right. That's right. And I only know as much about it as I know because of my proximity to you. <laughs> um. <laughs> Let's spread that proximity around. <laughs> Everyone, get COVID distance within Jordan's union knowledgeable <laughs> brain. It's good for you. Anyway, solidarity with Raven QA. God bless. Excited to see what the fuck you do. Fuck them up. Don't be a scab. Is, that, is it too early to say that? Yeah, a little oh, okay. too early. You, okay. have to, you have to be in a union you before be, you have to deal with scabs. Okay. Okay. Well, the last piece of the drama puzzle here, exclusivity. What's going to happen Oof. with these games? PlayStation, are you, you're in trouble, yeah, Are you, are you going to... Oof! <laughs> shaking in her Whoa. very large boots, awkwardly shaped <laughs> Wi-Fi router boots. Um... I did see something that Phil Spencer was like, hey, we talked to the people at Sony and we're like, look, you know, we know we got all these games, girl. Like, we know, you know, mm. everybody out here be known we got all these games because we're that girl. And this is a this is a dramatic mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> interpretation. Um, but hey, we know you still have people playing on your crusty consoles, you know, and they love Call of Duty because they're gamers and they're toxic. And, you know, they love whatever other franchises that we purchase. We can't even keep track of them anymore. But we're still interested in keeping a relationship to you because, you know what? You got to keep your friends closer, but you got to keep your enemies closer. So. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like exactly how that all went. That's not how that went. Literally, you know, that's, I'm being silly. But, you know, it's just like, hey, we got these franchises. We love gamers. We want to make sure gamers also can play on whatever console they want. So we're like, Right now, there's no plans to take anything away and to also honor all of the relationships that they have with the multiple things that they bought now at this point. Um, they gave all uh, those platitudes when they bought Bethesda. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks after the deal was finalized, because they said, remember, the acquisition was not large enough for it to take a year. That's right. 
They said Starfield is ours. They said fuck off. And good luck. <laughs> good night and good luck. I have a feeling that post July of next year, when this deal is finished, mm-hmm. we are going to get some exclusivity announcements about many more titles than you would think. I totally get why they would want to keep Warzone as a cross-platform product. It's not like they don't have precedent for doing that. Minecraft is is cross-platform. I know there are a few other games that are cross-platform. There's also deals that Sony has probably inked. Like, I know that they get special exclusive content for Call of Duty Mm -hmm. that Xbox doesn't get still. Right. I... It's not going to be every franchise. We'll say that. It's not going to be every franchise, but I think it's going to be more franchises than you think. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that they intend to, like, cut Sony off in that way. I do think there's going to be a more creative solution than people are realizing mm. or thinking about, I mean, for that, instance. Because that also helps keep the Monopoly talk at bay. True. I Again, we're not going to get any concrete information about this until after the deal is done. Yeah. Because then you can hem and haw about Monopoly. All you want is done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would not be surprised if we see Game Pass talked about. Like, oh, that's so interesting, Sony. You want to keep Warzone on your platform? We want to bring Game Pass to your platform. Isn't that interesting? We're like two ships in the night passing by each other. That's Fascinating. Perhaps we'll keep Warzone on your console if Game Pass can come to yours. That's that's so fascinating that you brought this up, Sony. That's an interesting... I haven't heard that one. I don't... Ooh, that's spicy. My mind immediately went there because what did they talk about with Switch? They, they said, talked about putting Game Pass on Switch. They did. They said, we want Game Pass everywhere. We want you to play our games no matter where the fuck you at. The language on exclusivity Mm. is where Game Pass is available. It does not say on Xbox or PC. They're already talking about putting Game Pass on like LG TVs or something. Like this is going to become a bigger thing than I think people even now realize. Like they are... It's gonna, they're going to be the Netflix. The game. first few years of Game Pass, people were like, "Oh, really?" Like, uh. And now, I think people are like, "Oh, okay." Like, Game Pass really is that girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ooh, she is man, here, is... and she is in a sundress, <laughs> and she's looking over her shoulder at you. Anyway, I mm. I don't know. I'm sitting pretty because I have both, so it's like. <laughs> For me, I'm sitting up in the box seats just watching the fight. I'm very interested to see where this goes um, because I'm going to be good. I'm going to be set. I'm going to play Activision Blizzard titles on day one post-unionization and Bobby Kotick. Wow. And I love that for me. What what day is is this contract going to be signed? I think they said June or July. You going to put a countdown on that? No. <sighs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know it's not. Always- I don't miss them that much. I don't play them all that much. All right. Well, we have to talk about some games that came out. We do. Uh, the Anacrusis came out. Yes, it did. Uh, and, you know, um, I, here's what I'll say about it. We you were tra- out before the first stage was over. Yes. Uh, I was also recently on an episode of our... Brother podcast? Like, I don't know what to... <laughs> <laughs> or we can just 
say sister, I right? Think, I, I, it's I on brand. I think it would be off brand if we said brother podcast. That's true. You'd be like, what's wrong with the faggot? Our sister podcast, Player Two is into the podcast, co-hosted with Paper Stacks. And we talked about the Anacrusis because I tried it. Um, and we'll link it to the show notes. You can listen to me talk about it at length there because we won't be doing it here. Suffice to say, it is a 60s, 70s uh version of Back for Blood or Left for Dead. One of the Left for Dead people actually headed the studio that made this. Um, and it needs some work because mm. I was not particularly impressed. But the bones need a little need a little super glue, but they're they there. Uh, they just need some... Th- it, it very, you know, I think uh, gamers of a certain uh, depth into this hobby have all had the experience of playing something that was early access, pre-release, and you're like, mm, you know, it just, it needs a little bit more sauce. And maybe the meat was a little overcooked this time. Mm. And maybe, you know, the biscuits were a little underdone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, not enough salt and pepper on the greens. That's right. And for some odd reason, the sweet potato pie didn't have... We're going through the whole menu. Absolutely. Didn't have any... Cinnamon in it, or like any other any spices. Mm-hmm. It's just 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 sweet potato. Um, but the fundamentals. You didn't have a cup of coffee after dessert. Well, I had no cream. No. It ran out of sugar. <laughs> so I was like, huh, you know, and, and, and that is where this is at. Uh, so, and people have been saying the same things. You know, you can go read a couple reviews. We I don't hope. want a dog pile, but I didn't like it. Yeah, and I hope the devs take the feedback and... It could be good. It could be good. Make a better game for when it actually comes out. Yeah. I think for now, I'd just be like, oh, you want to play the Anacrusis? Let's play Back for Blood. And put on, like, some, I don't know, <laughs> Curtis Mayfield in the background. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know what I mean? Nobody saves the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't played this one myself, but apparently it's on Game Pass mm-hmm. and y'all are eating it up. There's a lot of rave reviews going on out there. Um, apparently it's kind of like Zelda, kind of like Diablo, kind of like a roguelite, I guess. Or so. I, listen, it's, it seems almost like it's doing too much because I've <laughs> seen several long-form reviews about it and heard people talking about it on podcasts. It seems like a lot of people's diamond in the rough in January. Okay. Like... I'm surprised by the reception it's getting. I will probably play it. Like, why not? It's on Game Pass. I have so many other things to do before oh, Horizon Witch and Witch Queen. It's, it's right on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the lesbian from Mythic Quest is Aloy, which I didn't know. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. She can act because she doesn't You didn't recognize her at all. She really melted into that role. Mythic Look Quest. What's her name? Uh, I don't remember. You haven't watched Mythic Quest in a while. Did it get renewed? Because it's a good show. Her name is Ashley Birch. She's great. She's great. Anyway, yeah, it's gonna go at the it's gonna go at the end of the backlog. It just doesn't seem like something that's for me anyway. Um, but again, if you're interested in any of the games that I mentioned, this is probably something that you're gonna want to at least put on your radar. So right. go and be free. Uh, now games specifically for Big Nick. Wow. City Skylines mm. uh, dropped a new DLC. 
Yeah, we've been kind of getting away from talking about DLC announcements uh, other than games that we super, super play. Like, I've ignored most of the recent Sims stuff <laughs> that's come out. It also hasn't been very good. Uh, <laughs> City Skylines Airport is interesting to me for two reasons. Number one, there was a rumor that City Skylines 2 was coming out, and now people are thinking, oh, maybe it was just a new DLC and they're not intending on dropping two, or maybe mm. this is the final DLC, and they are still going to drop two at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it is transforming another fundamental part of the game. Transportation has gotten several DLCs that are specific to it. However, nothing has ever really touched airports. They did add a few additional prefab airports several years ago, Mm -hmm. but really the only way to make a good, big, functional airport in City Skylines was to download literally thousands of mods. Like, you needed so many pieces to make things work, and the mods that made the tracking work on the runways and taxiways, like, it was a lot. Well, now that is really baked into the core game. You can make functional terminals. You can have mass transit that directly hooks up to them. Like, they did a really, really great job. I am absolutely going to dive in for a little bit. I know that my time is precious in the next month. Very short. You got to... Did you download it already? It just came out. And the mods are all still broken. As we've discussed before, when new content comes out, it breaks all the mods in the game. And so the creators have to go back and update everything. So I'm going to wait for like another week or two. Okay. Damn, they do it that quick? The major ones that are like, if you don't have this mod, the game doesn't really work. Like, oh. part of the problem with City Skylines is that it's it's old, It's almost Mm. 10 years old at this point, or maybe it is 10 years old now. Like, the infrastructure of the game itself just isn't meant to handle too much complexity. Mm -hmm. It was a huge step above SimCity 4. But, like, Mm -hmm. again, this is one of those spiritual successor situations. Right. It doesn't really have any super hot competition in terms of other city builders. So like, this is your ticket. And in order to make traffic utilize all six lanes of a six lane highway, for instance, you need a mod to govern that. Otherwise you're going to have a traffic jam because all the dumb Sims only use one lane on the highway. It's like stupid. They can't help it. Anyway, all that to say, if you're at all interested in city builders and you're not keeping up with city skylines, now is the perfect time to jump back in. I think airlines is only like 20 bucks or something. It's not, these deals here are never super expensive. Um, also, Democracy 4 came out. It was in early access for a while. It's officially out of early access. Uh, It's not available for Mac yet, so thankfully I don't have to play it immediately. I'm a huge fan of the Democracy franchise. I put a lot of time into Democracy 3. Um, Democracy 4 looks just like more democracy. (laughs) Like the... the, Woo! (laughs) It's more democracy. You're, you know, just talking about more modern issues. Are we banning critical race theory in Democracy 4? Maybe. (sighs) I haven't thought about that in like (laughs) months. Oh my God. I've been been like super off Twitter and uh, have not been working on any political (laughs) things at work right now. Oh my God. I haven't thought. Honestly, good for you. Right now, Florida is trying to ban like the acknowledgement of gay people in schools. (laughs) 
Oh, we love that. <laughs> Listen, America's we great. are unicorns. America's been great. <laughs> America's already great. <laughs> America's 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 great. Rainbow Six extract. Rainbow Six extraction. I cannot say that. No, every time he says extraction. I fucked it up in the intro at least four times in a row. But that editing was easy. But hey, you didn't notice. Anyway, uh, day ones coming to you, coming to Game Pass because it is a Ubisoft title. You have it pre-downloaded? Are you gonna? It's already downloaded. It, it right. came out. I've heard almost universally negative things. Oh no! But I am gonna try it out because it's on Game Pass. Is this scary? Apparently, we didn't know mm. that it was going to be on Game Pass, and then there were rumors that the entire Ubisoft catalog was coming to Game Pass. Now there are rumors that certain titles are going to come to Game Pass, but like maybe their back catalog. I don't know. It, it's just feeding the rumor mill of a Ubisoft acquisition, basically. Um, <laughs> all I can say is that Rainbow uh. Six, at least for the time being, is on Game Pass, probably because they knew it wasn't going to sell. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And that it was bad. So we'll we'll get to it when we get to it. And the next time we have a home screen, we'll we'll dive into it. I'm sure I'll have played a few rounds by then. I guess we'll see. Anywho, uh, more news from Ubisoft in the NFT front. Mm. They're bastards. Listen, NFTs are bad. And you know, I have not I have not explained why I don't like them. You don't have to. I don't have to. They're bad for the I don't environment. Explain why I don't like my arm being cut off. Right. I guess to avoid sounding like a crotchety old person. You mean someone that wants a planet to live on? Yeah. But here, the other thing about NFTs for me is other like than I like the global warming impact. Well, yeah. Other than the global, other than the already bad thing that it's doing, mm-hmm. um, I to a certain extent understand them. I under I see a lot of artists who promote them now and are like, hey. These are all the good things that NFTs bring to artists. And this is what all the good things that the blockchain can bring to artists. I get that, like, you know, having people own a part of your music is great because then if the music, whatever, blah, 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 I get all that. Is it great? Well, would the, Prince say that that is no. great? Prince would be like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Read some books, okay? Listen to some albums. Albums matter. No, let me stop. Uh, for me, the thing about NFTs, again, is the just, uh, proliferation of capitalism. You know, it's like not it's like not innovating anything. It is just changing the rules of the game slightly just so the same shit can keep happening. You're asking me to buy a GIF. <laughs> no, no, fuck you. No, right click it, save us. It, it is not it is not asking you to buy a GIF. It is asking you to buy the exclusivity to a link of that GIF. That's true. <laughs> it's 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 honestly NFTs are bonkers and I cannot believe that we have to actually take the shit seriously and talk about it. So that is my little NFT rant. I hate them for a good reason, multiple good reasons. Anyway, they're coming to games or not. Hopefully, <laughs> everyone is like, "Hey, we're gonna put it in, in this game now." Everyone's like, "What the fuck?" No, nobody wants that. There was such a backlash against <laughs> the devs of Stalker Two announcing NFTs that they unannounced it. They were like, oh, you know what? 
Y'all got really mad, so we're probably just not going to go ahead with that. Suddenly, we don't know what an NFT is anymore. That's crazy how that happened. Meanwhile, Ubisoft is selling them left and right for dumb shit. Mm. And Square Enix went as far as to imply that there will be games in the future that are pay-to-earn. To which I say, absolutely fuck off. This is a pay-to-play, essentially. I, I just... I. Well, pay to, you earn the the ability to play the game by playing some other ass. It, first of all, it doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Second of all, no, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not ever going to turn my hobby of playing video games, the one thing that I have left on this planet that does not make me insane. I am not going to turn that into some kind of extracurricular job any more than I already have turned <laughs> Destiny you into let me, my that, extracurricular I, job. I, it's not, not because fair, I won't allow you to... <laughs> no. Because <laughs> you saw me smiling and I was I was I waiting. I was waiting to myself. I was waiting to wigs. You didn't let me... <laughs> Here's the thing. Bungie has never said to me, well, you need to play 100 hours if you want to enjoy the new DLC. Like, if any game ever told me I had to play a certain amount before I was allowed to play content versus just allowing me to purchase that content, I guess I'm not playing that game anymore. It's over. It's over for her. (sighs) We'll link the letter in the notes. It was so catastrophically stupid you will be dumber after reading it. Hmm. I certainly am. Love that. Love that for, for us. I love that for the gamers. <sighs> I'm just glad that enough people understand that it's a Ponzi scheme and that we need to fight back. I mean, it's it. like, whatever. If only we could extend that metaphor to larger systems at some point. Mm. Anyway. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. My the gamers are primed. In- the gamers are primed to be socialists. At least. At least socialists. My detective in Disco Elysium believes that. <laughs> He's trying to find the proletariat. Anyway, on this episode of the Red Scare Gamer Friends podcast. No, let me stop. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, wait, isn't Red Scare an actual podcast? Yeah, by crypto fascists. Yeah, sorry. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking the historical one, not the... Anyway. Some good news. Uh-huh. PlayStation VR 2 apparently is going to be dope. And there's an exclusive Horizon game coming at launch for it. I have to say that announcement is the only time I've ever been interested in acquiring VR technology. I want to play a Horizon VR game. That's right. Mostly just because I want to play any Horizon game. Right. You'll take it in the form of VR. That's right. It is currently untitled, I think, but Guerrilla Games was there at the announcement and talked about it being set in the world of Horizon, so not necessarily starring Aloy, which I think is even better. Like, that gives them freedom to do more, I think, than what they might have otherwise uh, been forced to do. Um, So I'm excited about it. It's certainly the only headset I would consider getting because Mark Zuckerberg is not going to have direct access to my eyeballs. Sorry. Okay. I'm currently working on a project with Meta, so I'm not going to make a comment on that. It's a big Nick's opinion. Well, there's the HTC Vive that is uh, prohibitively expensive. 
So there's and isn't that like being made for enterprise solutions? Like they're not even advertising. They're like barely for gamers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you want to have an office in VR? Congratulations, you can buy us. Which, if you do, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Just go open a goddamn Second Life account. Leave the rest of us alone. <laughs> NVIDIA uh, is coming out with a new chip before most of you could even buy the old chip. I couldn't even. <laughs> Jordan, I am playing on a GTX 980. That doesn't mean anything to it's, me. It's, oh, we're on 3070. 3080 is coming out. I'm on 980. It just means it's. it's That's 3,000. It's a lot of numbers. I actually have no idea how they number this shit. It's just, I know this graphics card is old as fuck, but it's pretty good. Thanks, Chase, for hooking me mm. up with it. Uh, fucking, <laughs> wait, like what? Almost 10 years ago now, for fuck's sake. Well, I guess uh, that fucking trash they were selling for $600 literally a few weeks ago is now outdated. <laughs> Look, I'll take a 3070. I'll take a 3060. I'll take literally anything. Like, I know that's right. Who? <gasps> Wow. I was about to even make a, like, whose dick do I have to suck to get any of them, apparently. Anyway, it's got better specs, two more gigabytes of VRAM, I have more cores or whatever the fuck. And a PlayStation. I, I have two consoles. I have a PC. I want a new graphics card. The 980 is doing what it needs to do. That was right? everybody hates make, Chris reference. They make good, what? I have, oh my God. My man has two jobs. I don't need this. Thank you. What a oh my gosh, Tashina Arnold, giving us so much. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's it's apparently a better card, but like who gives a fuck? Because no one can get the previous one. So honestly, them funny. making a new one is disrespectful. <laughs> it's very funny to me specifically, and that's that's it. Finally, E three twenty twenty two, not happening. Is not happening, <sighs> and not only is it canceled in person, they have made no announcements about any digital equivalent. Meanwhile, Jeff Keighley said Summer Games will be there. That's, we got Summer Games. It's disrespectful. That's that's happening for sure. How is just straight up just shitting on E3's legacy like that? I really wish that he would just rebrand the Game Awards as the winter of games. Because... Oh, yes. Would, that, that's a more apt... Yeah. It's, it's basically just the Golden Globes of video games, as we've discussed. <laughs> the, daytime, say, the daytime Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> the Oscars of video games and the SAG Awards of video games. Their nominations also came out. We're going to cover them on the next episode because the ceremonies, I think, will have taken place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get to it. But I do have to say Forza Horizon 5. Vindicated. Oh. Vindicated. Oh, that's about. That's all you can. How dare you? You know how I feel about copyright infringement. Do I? You do. I don't think I do. (gasps) That's so disrespectful. You have feelings about Dashboard (laughs) Confessional? No, I don't have. I have feelings about any songs that could be recognizable in a medium that is produced and then hurt by. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you was. I thought you said dashboard confessional. Oh, you were really into it. Well, you know, yeah, because you're a dashboard. So was he? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, boy. Woo! Anyway. These past few weeks in nerddom. First and foremost, we have a unionization alert! (laughs) 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 Image Comics has unionized. I was not familiar with Image Comics before this. I'm just very happy for them. Congratulations. It's the first comics union in North America, right? I think. I believe so. Something like that. Yeah, so congratulations. That's big. That's big. It's, huge. Uh, it's precedent if, setting. If there is an industry that needs it. <laughs> Listen, comics and video games. People get, people get fucked. Please. Over. Please. Oh, my God. Join a union. Anyway. Make a union. Like these people did. Yeah, I'm super thrilled um, for them and and wish them all the best. And we'll link down in the show notes to their website. Maybe you can buy some of their unionized comic products. Good luck negotiating your contract. Yeah, uh, that part's going to be a lot of fun. Sucky. Yeah. Necessary, but it's going to suck. Michael Keaton is coming back as Batman in The Flash, as we already knew. But also in the HBO Max Batgirl movie that is coming out, not to be confused with the CW show of the same name, I it is confusing to. I think Batflick is dead. Anyway, <laughs> over on the CW, Naomi premiered. It is being created in part by Ava DuVernay, which I find very interesting, uh, and is perhaps a replacement for Black Lightning. You know, you get rid of one black family, you got to bring in. Another black family, not to be confused with the one other black person on the CW DC show stuff. Is, is that Batgirl? Because Flash is over, right? I don't, dude. I don't care about this shit anymore. I have no idea. Well, this is this is your area, so no, it's not. If anyone shouldn't be confused, it should be you. I don't. I don't claim this, and I feel bad for our listeners that you're not doing your job. Sorry, Peacemaker. Also DC on HBO and presumably has nothing to do with the universe in the CW shows. Uh, That came out. We haven't watched it. We have not. We haven't watched it either, if that that wasn't clear. Hmm. It's it's a lot of DC stuff. It's just not my, it's not for me. Sorry. I think I will watch Peacemaker. I've heard some moderately good things. I really enjoyed Suicide Squad, and obviously the character was introduced in the Suicide Squad reboot. So um, I I probably will watch it. I just haven't watched it yet. It's too too much TV. We're watching so many things. So many. The Witcher, another thing that has come out that people seem to really enjoy. I also haven't watched that. (laughs) But you eventually will. I... Yeah. Well, not you can enjoy that one by yourself. I will probably watch that in the background while I work, um, unless it gets really good, and then I would have to do it on lunch breaks because I can't like do work and watch good TV. You have to watch background like filler TV. Mm. You know what? I shouldn't even attempt to watch what you're in the background. I don't. I don't have the. I'm just gonna get distracted. Attention. It would be background watch. for you. You would be fine watching in the background while doing work that is not audio engineering. Good luck to me. I guess. <laughs> Must be nice to be able to watch TV in the background while you do your job. I can't relate. Can't relate. Book of Boba Fett. Similarly, we haven't seen it. We- <laughs> I, I'm going to keep 100 with the fans. 
You're not a Star Wars. I'm gonna keep it 100 with Game of Friends. I no, I'm a Star Wars person. Mm. I am. I'm a Star Wars person. Okay. I'm not like a diehard Star Wars fan. You're not a Star Wars person that's watching the Book of Boba Fett on day one. <sighs> I kind of forgot it was coming out. I'll <gasps> be honest. And like Thundercats in it apparently. Who? Thundercat. What? You know. That nigga that be singing real high and funky and shit. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> the artist. About... No, the artist known as Thundercat is apparently in it. Uh, as a recurring character? I don't fucking know. Is he like know. part of the cast? I, I just saw a screenshot. The episode came out already, so it's... Hmm. it's, it's I don't know if that's a spoiler. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we haven't watched any of this shit, basically, is what we're saying. No, we have not. We understand that it came out and that people like it. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it eventually. The problem is that we're watching Shameless right now. Mm. and mm. That's taking up a lot of time. It's taking up a lot of time. There are long episodes. There's a lot of episodes. It's also very good TV, so I don't want mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to put a break on it. So, unfortunately, none of this... All this other shit will be there. ...nerdy media is dragging me away from it. So, it'll be there. It'll we'll be talk there. about it. They give a lovely analysis, you know, a year mm-hmm. after it's come out. A real lukewarm take. Damn near room temp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, we actually had a whole conversation about this, which you're about to listen to. And so I'm not going to spend much time talking about it other than to say The Matrix came out. The Matrix Resurrections, it specifically. Did. It did. Came out right around Christmas, right after our final episode. Um, and we didn't have an opportunity to talk about it, and n- now we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's... I think that's the best intro for our next segment that I've ever done, personally. Don't you think? Uh, it's up there. It's on, it's on the list We somewhere. should go out on a high note and play some music right fucking now. Right now. Well, gamer friends, we are back with a very special guest, our first guest of the year, which is an esteemed spot. It is. It is. We felt compelled to make it up to our Spider-Man correspondent for not having her to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. So instead, we're going to talk about something completely different because our Spider-Man correspondent has not yet seen Spider-Man. We just... (laughs) You're laughing at our guest. That's that's. I'm awful. laughing with with. Okay. With. Hmm. Nah, I'm. I'm He's right. <laughs> He's right. It's funny. <laughs> Welcome back, Jen. Yeah. How's it going? Hello. Oh my God, I've missed you guys. I, I haven't missed you guys. I talked to you on Twitter. <laughs> Every chance, but. <laughs> that's true. Uh, um. Well, we're so excited to have you. We noticed an interesting dialogue, shall we say, Mm -hmm. about the most recent blockbuster release of The Matrix Resurrections. And we figured, why not dedicate some time talking about this? Because I love The Matrix, and I don't just love The Matrix 1999. I love 
The Matrix Revolutions. Mm-hmm. And I love some of The Matrix, whatever the third R is. Wow. <laughs> Reloaded? Reloaded. Oh, it's Reloaded and Revolutions. Are you even a fan? Uh, basically. So when I saw a review that said, if your favorite Matrix movie is the second one, whichever one that is, you're going to love The Matrix Resurrections. And you know what? I did. And I I wanted to to speak with someone who I know also has a fondness for The Matrix. It's not me. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I'm really glad you two invited me on because... I'm really interested in this. And as as you're aware, um, Meta's new project, the Metaverse, is (laughs) introducing a lot of new opportunities, and especially financial opportunities, to all of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk about that. (laughs) I, I, oh, Jesus Christ. I have a lot of, like, really thoughtful stuff to say about the Matrix for resurrections because i really loved it but i just i I, it's really hard to get over spoilers okay right absolutely Absolutely. so agent smith is neo's boss at a software company trying to create a virtual reality game and he says something like well he he's basically lumberg from office space agent smith (laughs) is lumberg I want to detour us just really quickly because I'm I'm super glad that the first thing we brought up was Agent Smith so that I can get this out of the way. I have something to say. I couldn't take Agent Smith seriously because he was that twink TM. <laughs> I've seen looking. And not only have I seen looking, after we saw The Matrix Resurrections, <laughs> I couldn't articulate to Cedric just how unseriously I took Agent Smith, so I made him watch Looking. So he's now watched all of Looking and the movie, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about. He is not Agent Smith. I'll never be able to take it seriously. I'm so sorry. Well, once I also realized that he was King George, Mm -hmm. I was like, what is my American history? I don't remember it. In Hamilton, I was like, oh... That guy. And immediately I was like, oh no, I can't take him seriously in this role either. Was he did wait, the job though. Wait, that was King George? Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> That's him. With the little fiddle on his lip. Oh my yes. god, that completely yes. changes it. <laughs> and like I am I am here for the gays getting jobs. Like the entire cast of Six Eight was basically <laughs> It was like a little, <laughs> there's like a season 3.5 for them. And I can't, I can't, I can't uncouple that any further anymore. It's quite upsetting. Which is wild to think because also for half the time I was watching it, I was like, that's not Neil Patrick Harris. That's wild that they got someone that looked just like Neil Patrick Harris, but it's not Neil Patrick Harris. I'll tell you that much. And then it was. And I was like, Wow. He made me suspend the disbelief. It was his least homophobic <laughs> role in years, so I'm I'm glad for that. <laughs> oh Lord! Oh Jesus! Oh my goodness! I hope he shows up in How I Met Your Father to make some tranny jokes because we all miss that. America needs to heal. <laughs> Listen, I just I'm sorry. Fundamentally, don't believe that Jonathan Groff pulled that off in any way. 
And that part took me out, but we can put that in a drawer now. I've said it. I've come clean. You've seen the entire rest of no, the interview here. I'm, I'm going to actually applaud his part because we're not talking about recasting Morpheus. So, you know, mission accomplished. <laughs> Listen. Oh, I, I don't understand mm. what happened there. Because isn't his version of it that he was not asked to come back? I know Larry Fishburne said he would be happy to do it in, like, interviews where in the um, the Johnny Shootmonic movies, you know, the ones, mm-hmm. where he plays the hobo king. And he's like, I'm the king of hobos. I have hobos everywhere. You think <laughs> tattooed ladies and banks are important? Ha <laughs> I have hobos. Um, but he was... Very eager to do more Matrix movies. My impression is that I kind of get where they're going, and it kind of comes from the place where Lana does suck in some ways, but I'm not really here to talk about that. But yet she does suck in some ways, especially around uh, race and specifically race. (laughs) (laughs) I will say I bought the movie's interpretation of this new Morpheus. Like, I understand that the canon of the series is that Morpheus dies in a video game. So, to the extent that he's dead IRL, after already kind of being an older person, I mean, look how old they had to make Jada Pinkett Smith's character in order to pull off her supposed age now. Like, I get it. He just, he died. So, in order for him to live on, he's not a computer. But like, fine. I don't have to love it. And if I block out the background stuff, it, it's fine. It didn't really bother me in the context that much. I just didn't particularly think that it was pulled off. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. make it a little, like, just make it different. Because he doesn't have to be exactly like Morpheus because he's not Morpheus, technically. So before I get, like, super into my, like, huge nerd, play the video game, care about the video game canon, coming of age, watching The Matrix, obsessed with this stuff for two decades. I think we should have like a perspective from someone who's kind of new to the genre. So, uh, Cedric, you watched the second two movies for the first time recently, right? What was that like? <laughs> Is that laughing that I hear? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Wait, where's, sh- where's my mute button? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I did watch the second and the third one for the first time recently. I first watched the first one as a kid and got up to the part where we find out that they're all batteries. And I was like, what the hell is this? It's just confusing. And then I never picked it up again. It was weird. To me, as a child. And so we watched that one again, too, because I don't think I ever really fully finished it, or, like, fully understood it. And Jordan's favorite is the second one. I will say that it is not my favorite. I think the first one was, like, cool and interesting by itself. And then the second and third one were just like, all right, like, let's franchise this shit. We got to make a couple of sequels. And there's going to be some more action now, which is fine. It just, like, didn't capture my interest in the same way that the first one did, and that's fine. That's a very normal reaction. Did did you two watch the Animatrix at all? I, we did. I can't recommend it. You did? 
We, we did. We prepared we just, we for just, this. Yeah, we just finished it last night. I And I, you know, I did watch the Animatrix 2 as a kid and remembered all the, like, fun, interesting parts and remembered absolutely none of the violence. So that's amazing how the brain works. Uh, and I actually liked it. I think it... I think a lot of the, like, mythos around the Matrix is really interesting as opposed to, like, the just straight up fighting that the second and third movies had. So I I enjoy the Animatrix, but uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna stand for the original. It's good to finally know where Kid comes from. I think the Animatrix solved that, and you got that mm-hmm. right. The kid who skateboards, he's the annoying kid in two and three. Yeah. Wait. The kid. Who- the one that saves oh, himself. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Wait, <laughs> he was in the Animatrix. Yeah, there was an entire bit in the Animatrix about him. He's the one in the movies, in the second and third movies, right. who like follows Neil. Yeah, around, he's like, super puppies. annoying. But he was also in the Animatrix. What story? He was, was he? the skateboard kid. He was the oh, skateboard with the, with the woman yeah. who lost her cat. No, no. Wait, what skateboard kid? <laughs> the one oh, that self actualizes. Gonna... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was about to. Yeah. He oh, does... that's him. <laughs> oh wow! What? A th- wow! We just listened to me connecting the dots in real time. I'm gonna so leave it's... that completely unedited. It's 2002, and you just got out of The Matrix Reloaded, and you're like, why is that annoying kid obsessed with Neo? I'm obsessed with Neo, but I hate that kid. And then The Animatrix comes out, and there's a whole cartoon about why that kid is so cool, (laughs) so that when he does the heroic stuff in Matrix 3, you're like, oh, I'm so mad I hated that kid in Matrix 2. I get it now. I think that the world building that they did is the most interesting part of the entire franchise. And that's actually why I loved 4. Some of the things that people didn't like about it were fine. Like, it didn't ruin it for me. It didn't bother me, really. What I loved, and I thought more than made up for some of the negative things about it, is just that we got to learn more about how the world was impacted by what happened in the first three movies. And that, to me, was always the most interesting part. Like, (laughs) I would love to know how the, you know, Zion infrastructure (laughs) was put together and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like the Animatrix and uh, the fourth one we're both really good at diving into that extensive world that the Wachowskis created. Mm. And that's why I asked you to watch Animatrix. Okay, so uh, the thing I kind of got to get off my chest is Resurrections. Not really a trans movie. Yeah. Which is something I'm, is close to me. I don't think that's bad necessarily. Mm-hmm. You both know, like, there's a huge trans allegory. I'm kind of guessing why that's why uh, you were interested in having me on here in the Matrix. In the first Matrix movie, there's a scene where Neo is fighting Agent Smith, Agent Smith being the agent of the patriarchy and also literally an agent. Um, tries to throw him in front of a moving subway train. And that's kind of like famously. I mean, you know the story about Lana Wachowski. She, before the Matrix mm. was shot, she tried to commit suicide um, by jumping in front of a moving subway train. And that kind of came out after she was forcibly outed. Um, and, you know, that's kind of there. There's a lot of, like, transitional pain. And that comes mm. up in the new movie. 
So Bug is our viewer insert, sort of. She watches Neo, who's kind of a self-insert for Lana, try and jump off a building, except not try. He does jump off the building and commit suicide, and the world just doesn't allow that. It's not really clear to me if she somehow saved him as a window washer or if just deja vu happened. Did I miss something major there? It's kind of not really specified, I think. My impression of that was that the construction that he's in is maybe like unique or separate from the Matrix and that no harm can come to him no matter what. Okay, so we're getting into modals here. At the start of the movie, um, we see that repeat of the original Matrix's opening sequence except it's from Bug's point of view, walking sort of between the walls. And she keeps saying, it's a modal. We found a modal. I'm a nerd, but I'm not a huge nerd. I don't know about programming, so I had to look up what a modal is. A modal is a window that you run inside of another application that mimics that application, but you can set the parameters. So like Hmm. it's running windows inside of windows. What's the point of that? It's just kind of an interesting nerdish programming thing. I mean, you're you're both old enough to remember like running DOS inside of Windows Millennium or whatever. We open up a DOS window. That's what that first scene was. Hmm. Hmm. In the first Matrix, everything was contiguous unless they rebooted the entire system. If there was a glitch, that was deja vu. Or, you know, you'd see someone completely change like a, a... an agent jumping in. In this new version of Matrix, you know, 20 years on, it's so tiring to see stuff like people fixating on screens as a metaphor for social control and the blue pills being, you know, Prozac or whatever. But the overall trend was social control has evolved. Mm -hmm. In the first movie, there was this idea of residual self-image, RSI. You look in the Matrix like you think you look. And of course, there was this whole thing where Switch, you know, the the blonde lesbian, I mean, female character of ambiguous uh, (laughs) orientation, she was supposed to look like a woman in the Matrix and a man outside of the Matrix, and the studios were okay with multi-million dollar shoots that involved like 300 cameras set up sequentially, but not the gay shit. Um, So they had to make her a woman in and out. But she was the unambiguously trans character. Right. In this movie, they don't really go into RSI because presumably people know it, but also it's been 20 years, so probably people don't know it. But what they do explain is that people have a sense of self, and it's one not generally acknowledged by people outside of them. I mean, there's a whole internal and external life thing. When Tiff, Carrie Amos's character, comments on how, doesn't Trinity look just like me? I told my husband that, and he laughed. And of course, it's so silly. But I felt so horrible. You see constantly in the first half of the movie, uh, Neo's sense of self, identity, perception, Every time there's a mirror, every time someone else is looking at him, 
he mm-hmm. flickers between multiple appearances, and none of them are him. And that's a huge thing in this movie. Even though they never say residual self-image or talk about who we were or who the world perceives us to be, a lot of this movie is just tied up in, hey, you know what the Matrix is? Well, here it is again. And then it just adds these layers of, well, identity is complicated. Well, who you are is who you feel you are. And that, oh my God, resonated with me so much, even though it's not a trans movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that something that I noted as a cis person who has only recently really understood the degree to which the first trilogy was an overall trans allegory, and especially the first film. I I got really into that idea actually last year after knowing about that and kind of getting it, but not really understanding all of the ways in which there were allegories literally throughout the entire movie to the point where now when I watch it, it's unavoidable. Like, it's so obvious (laughs) that that is what's being discussed. So I went into this thinking about that and looking for what this movie was trying to say about that issue or like you're talking about identity in general. And I think that that is the one big difference between the folks that really enjoyed this movie and the folks that did not. I think people that were coming to the movie looking for that commentary and really processing it as it was happening and thinking about those things in real time led to a greater satisfaction with the film in a way where if you're just trying to go be entertained because it's December 22nd and you're on winter break and the cool new movies coming out on HBO, that's not necessarily your primary goal. And especially if you haven't thought of or are aware of The Matrix as an allegory at all. Like if it's always just been an action film for you, then this is just the fourth action movie set in that universe. And I appreciate you saying that because that's where I landed too. Like for me, the movie was more than just a continuation of the story. It's really a continuation of the commentary and an evolution of the commentary. And my biggest takeaway was an expanded definition of like what solidarity is very clearly in the first one it was humans versus machines and there was no ambiguity about who was good who was evil etc cetera, etc cetera. rewatching the animatrix i realized and and commented to Cedric like this is the only other story the one where they're trying to turn the robot this is the only other story other than the fourth movie where this is directly addressed mm-hmm. this idea that like the machines are not all a hive mindset on the destruction of humanity. And I just appreciated that in a way that I think is different from someone who's like, who's this dumb butterfly robot thing <laughs> that's, that's on my screen now? Like, what the fuck is this? Is that actually how the conversation went? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some weird Reddit comments. Let's put it that way. Mm. I think the first movie stands on its own in a lot of ways because if you remember the buildup, all you knew about the Matrix going to the Matrix because the internet was barely a thing at that point. You know, you were on like AOL forums, maybe you were on BBSs, but you saw the commercials where Morpheus says, 
no one can tell you what the matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. And I think there were probably some Taco Bell tie-ins where like the little dog was like, yo, Carol matrix. (laughs) (laughs) And so you kind of had to go into a blind and you did. And it was like, whoa, oh shit. Movies can talk about existentialism. Is this why they re-released Blade Runner five times? <laughs> um, and so it, in, its, in and of itself, it kind of like pops out in my memory. I had a really low opinion of the sequels for a few years because nothing could compare to that sort of like me being 19 or 18 or whatever and having that experience. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Jordan. The first movie is extremely binary. And I think the the second two movies peel that back and the Animatrix does it a bit better because there's this whole thing where, yes, there's a conflict and humanity is at risk, but also the personhood of machines and programs, which are kind of separate, are also at play. And the Animatrix really makes it clear that humans kind of started things kind of humans started things by (laughs) trying to wipe out sentience that weren't humans, which were in that case machines. The Wachowskis are not great at allegories, but, and it's a a perpetually mediocre allegory to compare uh, colonialism and slavery and racism to uh, humans and machines. Yeah. But <laughs> as best as they could. <laughs> hey, you know what? At least it wasn't Planet of the Apes. Like, you know, it's. <laughs> you know, like... I think Resurrections did a lot better than any of the previous things because mm. programs and machines are people. Okay, maybe not machines. Machines are cute talking animals, and that's unfortunate. Um, but uh, in uh, Reloaded and Revolutions, we did have program characters who were essentially caught in the middle. The Merovingian is a, a piece of shit, and I think it's very funny how he was portrayed in 4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we also had, and I can't remember any of their names, but the little girl did show up in four. The mm-hmm. character was just like, uh, yeah, this is kind of a bullshit war, and we just kind of want a way out. It's not a thing. It's not good. Y'all both suck. And the whole... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? The, yeah. I can't remember yeah. their names. Yeah. So, Like with the train conductor and that whole... Yes. Im- the implication that there were many other programs that also fled... There's a a sort of reflection, I think, on the first movie, which is very binary, and they bring up the stupidity of binary a lot of times in 4, which I think is kind of gender-related, but also kind of a commentary on the original tone of the series. It's just like, oh, there's Hmm. good and evil, and that's it. All three factions, humans, programs, and machines, are fully self-aware fully self-sufficient, well, no, fully self-aware, mostly self-sufficient, 
but also reliant on each other. There was a big effort in for, I think, to foster this idea that a false duality, a false binary is fundamentally self-destructive. At the end of three, there was not a clear victory, but it was in a sense of victory. Neo dies, Trinity dies, um, Morpheus doesn't die. Yeah, but they sure took care of that later. Um, (laughs) The whole idea of a battle between good and evil is essentially fruitless. Neo did not fulfill his prophecy according to the machines, which was to ensure machine supremacy, but he also didn't fulfill his prophecy according to humans, which is human supremacy. And the program prophecy, which is kind of articulated by the Oracle, I'm not sure if he fulfills that or not, but what does happen is the world is full of beautiful skies created by the daughter of two outcast programs, which, as established earlier, outcasts are like vampires and werewolves and uh, really fucking stupid albino ghosts. (laughs) Uh But also a little girl who paints the sky with watercolors. Because I I rewatched... I've rewatched the movies a thousand times, but I, I rewatched them just before watching the new movie. And I think one of the things that really popped out at me of people who were like really angry at the trailers was like, oh, it's so bright and colorful. It's it's so pretty. And that's not what the Matrix is. And no, that's not what the first three Matrix movies were. Um, they actually, after the initial DVD release of the first movie, they went back and they desaturated it and made it more green. Hmm. Huh. It's really visible in the Oracle scenes because her apartment is a very comforting sort of light brown, your grandma's house, 70s shade. And if you watch any release after the first remaster, it's a muted gray. But then at the end of Revolutions, you know, what's her name? She paints the sky a beautiful gold and purple and cerulean blue. And that runs through a lot of the new movie, especially before Neo Awakens, Hmm. which I think is really incredible. It's beautiful continuity. And it's also kind of a statement about control, that this world is sort of a, a brightly colored impressionist version of what we want the world to be. Even when it's at its worst, even when Neo and fake Morpheus are blowing each other up <laughs> in a little dojo, it's still this beautiful, colorful, Easter-shaded world. It's a really good point. When it actually does get back in the nitty-gritty, when you feel that it's a trap, you recognize the control that the analyst, which, okay, the analyst is... Neil Patrick Harris is a really good alternative to Agent Smith because he's a monster who wants to shape your world. And yes, there's like a Scientology thing where he's a psychiatrist, but we're going to ignore that. Um, He's a monster who wants to shape your world, but he doesn't do it by punching you really hard through a wall or taking over your best friends. Agents don't take people over in this movie. Um, The anxiety of being rejected 
doesn't come as some sort of alien intrusion. It's I've seen people argue about the horde mode that it's somehow solipsistic, but I think it's also a sense of telling a story before you come out publicly versus spending 20 years being out. You know, sometimes just everyone around you will turn on you in an instant, and that's not them changing. Sometimes that's just there. Mm. And the analyst, I'm trying to avoid American political terminology, but he talks about things being, he talks about the relativism of truth. Mm. He's very post-truth. Did you experience that? Or you have a history of mental illness. Maybe you didn't experience that. You know you've hallucinated in the past. Are you sure what happened wasn't a hallucination? He uses the phrase positively, paint the skies with rainbows. You need to paint the skies with rainbows. Again, referring to the absolutely gorgeous world that's created, which is a method of control for a world that Neo and Trinity can't escape, which was created specifically to entrap them and empower other people. He understands that ramping up stress causes people to be both more energetic, which serves his purposes, and less productive, which also serves his purposes because they're not doing anything revolutionary or productive. They're just being angry and afraid. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, when we see shades of stuff like the horror mode thing, like on the train, where it's just like, anybody can attack you at any time. And yeah, that's scary. But it all really ramps up after the climax where Trinity slash Tiff almost rejects the idea that the world can be better. Mm-hmm. It's so not trans, but it is trans because she's like, oh, I just need to go back to my family and take care of my kids. Then she realizes, no, I was right. I do have an existence outside of my family. I can defy myself whether they love me or not for saying that. And then they immediately reject her, which, okay, maybe I'm wrong in saying uh, it's not trans because that kind of did hit home. Mm. But in the same sense that um, they went back, and uh, the sisters went back and recolored the first movie to make it more green and more unfeeling and make it more well, drab. After that moment, the whole extended fight scene on the streets where Tiff's family rejects her, where it's clear that she's the actual messiah of this part of the series, where it's clear that, you know, this world with its rainbow skies is still an illusion. It's still full of traps. It's still full of analysts. Instead of turning green, it turns yellow. And not like that movie yellow where it's like fake Cuba. Gold, gold and cyan. Is that the, that's, right. the, that's the color combo that you see on every DVD color? No. It's Piss Christ. The climax of Matrix 4 is Piss Christ Yellow. Oh my God. 
I think that's what's most perfect about that is that I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> if if our listeners don't know what I mean, um, there's a a really famous piece of art. It's a it's a really beautiful piece from a, a modern artist who uses mixed media and is a little bit subversive. And what he did was he took a picture of a plastic crucifix through a uh, pane filled with his urine. It's actually like before, like a lot of digital effects were really popular. Um, and the effect that it creates is an image of the Christ um, shining in gold. And the whole thing cost him like 10 bucks. Um, but it's a magnificent, wondrous, like very post-Renaissance image. Uh, it just happens to feature a whole bunch of his piss. And his comment is, you know, about the sublime and the accessible. <laughs> uh -huh. And when uh, Lana, uh, I keep saying Lana because she was the writer and producer. I don't think her sister was involved in this. Uh, chose to make the latter action heavy part completely saturated in gold, in bright gold and orange and red. No green. There's just like no green in it at all. She wanted to make the Piss Christ Matrix. She was not being subtle with this movie. Okay. okay. I'm a, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I absolutely love hearing you talk about this because it actually, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. It actually makes me want to watch all the shit all over again <laughs> with this new understanding. Uh, that all being said, I did not think that this is where we were going to land. <laughs> I, <laughs> wow. So so thank you for that. Yeah, I, this, this amount of insight is is unparalleled here on the podcast. Oh my God. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Rain it in. Rain it in. Okay. <clears throat> Do you think that the color choice is related to just it being a new version of the Matrix? Or do you think it had more to do with the elevation of Trinity as the new Messiah? Which I do have to say, I'm very curious just in general about your thoughts on that happening. Um, I was kind of like waiting for it to happen. But I wasn't sure if that was where they were going to end up, and I'm I'm happy that they ended up there. But I'm just I'm just curious what your is that where they ended up? <laughs> well, it seems like at the end they both have godlike powers. He kind of got over his Spider-Man three issue. I'm looking at my notes, and I'm see I'm doing a lot better than the the Spider-Man episodes because they have notes, and I've got a mm -hmm. big line here mm -hmm. that says Carrie and Moss. Deserves better. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, please tell us more. At the end, she saves the day. There were also a couple other scenes where she was in the movie. Mm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Goddamn. They did kind of turn her into a damsel in distress a little bit, didn't they? It's very interesting because uh, there was a, a very 
huge symmetry in the first three movies, where the first movie was mostly in the Matrix, and the last movie was mostly out of it, and the middle was kind of half and half. And initially, you know, she kisses Neo, and that saves the day, and then he kisses her, and that saves the day, and then they both fucking die. Um, (laughs) You can't extend that symmetry further. Mm. Yeah. I hesitate to call her a damsel because she's not really in peril for most of the movie. What she is is kind of a lost figure. Mm. She's absolutely the subject of Neo's lust. Whist? It's not really sexual. He doesn't want to be with her. He just wants to know her. And that's kind of creepy in its own way. And what I mentioned earlier, the scene where she says, I said I looked like Trinity, and he laughed, and I felt so shitty. That was like a knife in the heart. But that was like it for her character in the movie. Besides that, her role was him trying to reach her him trying to contact her, him trying to talk to her. We don't actually know anything about what happened to her, except here's some kids. Here's a mm-hmm. husband. Don't you hate this husband? Isn't he a douchebag? Don't you wish you were with someone else? And it's not like she's in peril. It's not like she's, you know, Bowser isn't tossing her at the top of a cast or anything. <laughs> she's just kind of there. And you know Neo likes her, and you know he has such a complicated life. He works for Lumberg. (laughs) But she's just kind of there, and that was so frustrating to me going into it, because I I waited like a week or two, and I'd heard the stuff about how she's the the messiah of this movie, and she really wasn't. Mm. I don't know exactly what was going on there. And I kind of chalk it up to the my main criticisms of the Wachowskis, of Lana specifically, the same sort of thought process that leads you to believe that, you know, Cloud Atlas is a good idea, kind of leads you to turn your revolutionary trans ideals into, wow, that girl looks lonely. I haven't seen... Wait, was the Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie? Uh, oh, 500, 500 Days of Summer. Yes, that is the... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Wow. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I So, <clears throat> I'm curious, do you think they're going to flesh this out in sequels? Do you think that this is the beginning of a new trilogy? Do you think they're going to do one more, several more, and how long until Lana is like, please release me from this? Like, I think the there's very little subtext. It's just text that she didn't really want to do this. I think she did want to do this. I don't think this was like a, oh, we have to reboot everything. No, I, I think this was very earnest and sincere. I I give it some shit over a lot of things because, you know, it's not perfect, but it touched me in a lot of ways. I think it was really beautiful. If I wasn't clear earlier, the Piss Christ thing is entirely enthusiastic 
Like, yes, I yes, love is. that part. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm upset about the recastings, but at the same time, mm. I think I get where they're coming from, even if I think she's really racist. I'm sorry. It's, I think that was a big part of it. But I, I also think that there's like an in story justification. Yeah. For the racism. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think this was a really good passion project. And Mm. towards the latter part of the trilogy, like I don't have the timeline exactly, a big part of The Matrix was like, yeah, the second two movies kind of felt tacked on because they didn't know they were going to make them. And the first movie was really self-complete. I think the two expanded on it in some ways and they did fail in some other ways like literally recoloring the entire first movie and making Mm. that original version unavailable. Um, But what they wanted to do was be a new star Wars. Mm. And I think Mm -hmm. that was in their hearts at the start. And I don't mean that just like they wanted to make a lot of money because they did want to make a lot of money and they did actually do that. So good for them, but they did the matrix online. They did like three attempts at video games of, varying qualities and a lot of what they did was they were trying to create sort of a space for people to play around in they wanted people to write fan fiction they wanted people to write their own stories they wanted to create something immersive where people would just be like fuck off i want to do what i want and make a beautiful fantastic world the same way people did with licensed star wars stuff and just star wars fanfics and Jesus Christ, so much Lord of the Rings stuff that I'm afraid to look at. (laughs) It never happened. And I think this was kind of Lana's answer to, well, that never happened, but here's how I see it happening. I don't see another movie. I don't realistically see any games or anything else. I'd like to see more stuff. I'd like to see Warner Brothers like supporting this as a franchise where you can just fuck around in. God knows it's better than that other ones with the boarding school. Um, (laughs) I don't see it happening, but it's a nice idea. Mm -hmm. Well, I so appreciate all of your thoughts on this. I, if you haven't seen it, you, you can't watch on HBO anymore. It's not there right now. So when it comes back, you can watch it or you can purchase it. Probably. Maybe you might be able to see it in the theater too. Still. Maybe who knows? But you should see it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely want to watch it again now, which was not the case before this conversation started. I'm down to revisit. I enjoyed it the first time, and I feel like I'm going to enjoy it even more. It is still available in limited theaters, and based on HBO's uh, past history, it should be available on HBO for free again within the next two months. Sounds like a March watch party to me all right i it's this was really nice thank you guys both for having me on and letting me rant at extension about piss christ (laughs) (laughs) i'm just happy that piss christ made it to gamer friends yes it was lovely it's overdue Well, that was a show. Thank you so much, Jen. Jen. We love you. We appreciate you. I just... Blowing our minds. Opening up my third eye. (laughs) 
to see <laughs> to see the piss. Yes. Uh <laughs> to see the piss indeed uh if you enjoyed the show especially if you want to support piss christ please rate review and subscribe on your platform of choice wherever you're interacting with this podcast right now right now also right now you could support us with money because capitalism mm-hmm. you know maybe about a lot maybe mint an episode <laughs> <laughs> You could own an episode of Game of Friends. <laughs> if you give us a million dollars in a monkey picture. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and shout out to the people who are our patrons. Abner, Emma, Enya, Sarah, Nerdy, Shuli, Cody, Mike, and Aime. What a list. We love it. Illustrious list of beautiful people. And you could join them for the low, low price of pay whatever the fuck you want. That's right. I think it, it has to at least be a dollar. I, I think that's true. I don't think you could give us a penny. That would be disrespectful as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little mean. People do that. People do, especially for like, if I've seen like artists on Bandcamp that people hate Oof. or like want to be mean to because they're saying, you know, whatever. And people will just give them a penny on their That's album. rough. That's rough. That's, yeah, no, it's very mean. Don't do that to us because we don't, yeah. I don't think we deserve it. Anyway, it's been good. Uh, we're keeping to our schedule this year. It's like a commitment that we're making to all of you and to ourselves. And it, it's great. We've got some wonderful conversations lined up for the next few months. I think you're all going to really enjoy this year of Gamer Friends. And we've got a big celebration for our next episode. So all tune in. All right. We'll see you in about two weeks. Deuces. Right here. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs>